Thank you this morning as we come to the scriptures, we invite you to speak. We yield our hearts and our minds to you now. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take the scriptures and you would open them to us. Take my words, Lord, and fill them. Take our ears and, Lord, make Jesus beautiful in them, that we might be led to him. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we are continuing this morning in our preaching series called His Story. Throughout the fall, we are working our way through some of the big stories of the Old Testament to see how they find their fulfillment in Christ will culminate in the life of Jesus when we get to Christmas. Today, we are going to see that we can trust the Word of God, and we can trust the God of the Word. Trust the Word of God, and we can trust the God of the Word. Everybody say the Word of God. Word God. Say the God of the Word. Word. Now, where we are in our journey, we're moving out of the book of Genesis. We've been in it for a few weeks. We're in the book of Exodus now. We won't be here as long as I wish we could be because we're trying to do a lot of the Old Testament in a short period of time. We're in the 14th chapter of Exodus. Let me bring you up to speed from where we left off last week because it's now over 400 years later. If you were here, you remember that Joseph and his family have settled in Egypt and they are the honored guests of Pharaoh. While they're there, they, they thrive. And as time goes on, they really thrive and God prospers them so that by the time we get to our lesson, there could be as many as a million of them from one family. They have grown exponentially. Of course, that early generation has died. That Pharaoh who knew Joseph has died and an evil Pharaoh has come into power. He's forgotten all about Joseph. He becomes threatened. In time, what happens is that the Hebrew people are enslaved. They're made the labor force of the people of Egypt. And they cry out to God. It gets miserable. It's bad. They cry out to God and God sends a deliverer in the person of Moses. Now, if you know the story just preceding this, they've been delivered from Egypt, but it follows a series of 10 devastating plagues that causes Pharaoh to finally let them go, and he lets them go after that last plague, the plague of Passover. What the people had to do was shelter under the doorpost covered in the blood of a lamb, and those who sheltered there were kept safe from death, those who did not suffered death. They've been sent out. They've been basically thrown out of Egypt at this point because Pharaoh's, well, he's afraid, but he has this habit of his heart getting hardened. And so where we find them today, they've left out of Egypt and they're in a really bad situation because they've come to the place where the Red Sea is in front of them. Pharaoh's heart is hardened again and he sent out his troops, his chariots, his army, and they're coming in. You can almost feel the ground shaking and hear the chariot wheels turning and the hooves of the horses galloping. That's where the people are. It's a bad situation. Verse 10, we hear this. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. Yeah, you think, right? The Red Sea is in front. 
Pharaoh and the army are coming from behind, and they are terrified. Now, we've got to get ourselves into the story a bit to try to put ourselves in the place of where these people are. They've been through a whole lot. Their history at this point is a long saga of abuse under slavery, under oppression, under injustice. They really don't know how to function as a people group yet. They've been through the startling plagues over these last period of time, filled with death and destruction. They've left Egypt in the night, and and the Egyptians literally give them gold and silver and jewelry. It's like they're being paid to get out of town. They're in rags, and they end up with riches. They leave Egypt covered in bling. That's where they are. That's got to be disorienting. Anybody who's come into money fast knows that it can be disorienting. And that though they're free, they've still left behind everything they know, their houses, their homes. Think about it. Mama and Daddy and Grandma and Grandpa are buried back there for many of them. It's what they've known. There's a very deep disorientation going on. And even though God's been around and He's manifesting in this fire and this cloud, like, do you think that was a little startling? Like, that's fear-inducing because they didn't understand really much of what's happening. And then they've got this new leader in Moses. They didn't pick him. They don't trust him. And now he's taking them to the worst campsite that you can imagine. So they are greatly afraid. Friends, fear will make you do really dumb stuff because it causes your logic to flee. And it causes your heart to melt makes you do dumb things. Let's let's think about that for a minute. God has been moving on their behalf, and yet they completely forget that God has been moving on their behalf. That's what fear will do. Fear will make you forget everything that you knew about God if it gets in and it sinks in. And that causes dumb responses. It causes us to do things we wouldn't normally do in other situations. I think about the guy who was afraid of flying. And and he finally got on a plane. He finally did it. And his friend called him after the flight just to see, did you make it? Are you okay? And and he said, you know, yeah, I was was afraid. It wasn't quite so bad. But, you know, I never really did put my whole weight down in the chair. That's just dumb, right? But that's what fear will do. It'll make logic flee. It'll make you forget what you actually know to be true. They've seen the plagues. They've seen the deliverance. They've literally experienced it. Blood and frogs and gnats and flies and livestock and boils and hail and locusts and darkness and the Passover. And yet, and yet here they are greatly afraid. And what's their response? It's what many of us do when we're afraid. They start to blame and they start to complain. Anybody been afraid in the last 18 months at any point? Do you do any blaming or complaining along the way? Yeah, probably a lot of us have done that. We lash out at leaders. We lash out at the people in our lives because fear causes that to happen within us. And so they're blaming and they're complaining. Verse 11, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I think there's a very Jewish feel to what they're saying. There, there ought to be an oy vey in the text. Oy vey, right? 
Weren't there enough graves back there? You brought us out here to die. If, if you remember the movie The Princess Bride, I think of Miracle Max, the character Billy Crystal, right? It, it's like that voice ringing in my ears. There's a real earthiness to this. But, but there's not a lot of logic going on in it, is there? And do you see what fear can do? It can make you beg to be a slave again. It can make you forget what you know about the God who has already been moving on your behalf, who's already been speaking. You can throw away your freedom because of fear. And you can turn away, if you're not careful, from, from God's very purpose for your life. Fear will do that if you let it take hold. But there's Moses. And he shows himself to be a good leader because what he does is he gives them the antidote to fear. And it's an antidote we all need to take hold of. The antidote to fear is always faith. Everybody say faith. That's what he's calling them toward. And faith is not this Pollyanna optimism. Everything's going to work out. It's all going to be okay. There is some understanding that things will work out, but it's grounded in trust in the God who is and the God who speaks and the God who acts on behalf of his people. If you trust God, you need not live in fear. And so Moses starts moving them in that direction. He's been listening to God, and out of his time with God, he begins to speak to them. Verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. That's warfare language. That's victory language. That's the language of faith. And it has within it three commands. The first is simply fear not. It doesn't say you aren't going to have fear. It says don't give in to it. You cannot let it be your master. And why? Because God is on your side. But that's the kind of stuff that tends to go out of our brains. Stand firm. Don't be moved. Don't try to take control again. And that's what so many of us do when we're afraid and we start scrambling for control in every kind of way that we can find it. We've all heard that expression, don't just stand there. Do something. Moses says exactly the opposite. Don't just do something. Stand there. That's literally what he says. That's a loose translation of the Hebrew. But that's such an important spiritual lesson for us. Now, this is not about being passive. It's about trusting God. There's going to be a time for them to move forward, but it doesn't come until after they've heard from the Lord. That is very important for us to recognize. Not until God says so, but when He does, move out. We'll see that in just a moment. The third thing that Moses says is see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. The NIV translates it, you have only to be still. There's something about getting still and getting silent that allows God to speak. We tend to do a lot of talking to the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right. Lots of words at God. And that's okay at some level, but if you're always talking and never listening, how will you know what God wants you to do? And so what Moses tells them is just be silent. 
In the silence is where the Word of God comes alive. In the silence is where God can speak to your heart. And He can do it through His written Word. He can do it through that still, small voice. But you got to be quiet enough to hear because in my experience, generally, God doesn't shout. God whispers. A.W. Tozer said, God tells the man or the woman who cares. Who cares what? Who cares enough to get still before the Lord? To get silent before Him? To come to God for God's direction in faith, trusting that God is a God of His Word. That the Word of God will speak and the God of the Word will act. It doesn't really matter ultimately if, if God is with you It doesn't ultimately matter what you face, how big the trial is, how devastating the news is that comes to you, how intense the trial is, how hot the fire is. If you are aligned with the God who is and who speaks and who moves on behalf of His people, then you will always be in the majority. Not because of your size, but because of His. And so they they stand still. They get silent. And that's when they're ready to move. That's when God tells them what to do. Verse 15, Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. In the midst of whatever circumstance you find yourself in, whether it's hardship or trial, whether it's in the midst of pain, whether it's in the midst of circumstances that are overwhelming you in the face of fear, if you will get still and you will begin to listen, God will begin to show you by speaking. He tells the person who cares. What we tend to do is we get in those places and we go, why is this happening to me? Where have you gone? Why is it so hard? Why is everything against me? That's not faith. That's self-pity. Anybody know what self-pity is? I'm not saying it doesn't hurt in those places. I'm not saying we shouldn't be real before God in those places. But if you're not careful, that will overwhelm you. Fear will get in on the top of that. You'll forget who he is. You'll do dumb stuff coming out of that. God's answer to Moses, I think, might be the answer to you in those circumstances and situations. This is happening so that the Lord will get glory and so that the world will know that he is God. That's what he said to them. Why are they going through this fiery trial? So that God will get glory and so that the world will know that He is the Lord. Why do you often have to walk through these circumstances that seem to overwhelm? It's so that God will get glory in your life. So that the people of the world will see that He is Lord. We just want to avoid pain and we want comfort. But do you realize that through those things, God is glorified. And people go, He's alive. He's real. This God is true. Well, then we go back to the text, right? Verse 21. Moses stretches out his hand over the sea, 
The Lord drives back the sea by a strong east wind, and all night it blows, and the, He made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Now, there is no doubt that had to be a terrifying thing. We just want God to lift the fear away. Sometimes He sends us right in the middle of what makes us afraid. The wind is blowing. They don't have iPhones with flashlights. They hear the wind howling in the night. You know what it's like to go through a, a hurricane and hear the wind howling in the night? And then, and then the wall of waters rising up and them going in. And yet through that, their understanding of God will grow. And their experience of God will grow. Because God is with them. They trusted God and they walked through. Sometimes the trials we go through that require us in the midst of our fear to have faith and to trust God, sometimes those trials are the very things that cause our faith to grow exponentially to cause us to understand deeply who He is. Think about this. Some of you perhaps are frightened to put your trust in Jesus Christ because all of your life you've been told that He's not trustworthy. He is not who He says He is. Others of you perhaps might be frightened to leave a job because in it you feel secure, and yet you know that God's saying, I've got something for you out there. You, you might be afraid to become generous with the bounty you have, all the finances God has given you because you've been told that you'll be safe and secure with those things. You might be afraid to get some help in your marriage because you've been told you can't trust counselors. You might be afraid to get into some kind of 12-step to deal with the pornography that is stealing your life or the alcohol that's drowning out all your relationships, or the spending that is wiping you out. Let me tell you, if God is speaking to you in the stillness and in the silence to move forward into those places, that He will handle it and He will see you through, then by all means, go. Because He will reveal Himself and you will know more, and that which causes you fear may become the very thing of your salvation and the deepening of your life in God. Do not let fear win over your faith. You cannot allow that. Verse 30, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. They experienced God's power and His presence they saw that God's word was true, that God could be trusted. There was salvation that came for them. And what do you think the effect was of that? Their faith grew. They had this reverential fear. They had this trust. Now, for them, it didn't last real long. If you read the next couple of chapters, we live at a better time than they did because they were with God but God is in us. They were with Him. But God is in us when we come to Christ. 
Let's think just for a minute as we wrap up on how this kind of points us. This story points us to Jesus Christ and grounds us in the greater story of God. The Passover and this crossing of the Red Sea, they they really are bookends of one story. They go together. The people of Israel, the people, the Jewish people, sheltered under the blood of a lamb, and they were delivered from their slavery. And then they followed God, trusting his word, through a Red Sea, and they're delivered from death. And ultimately, they get to the promised land. They are pictures to point us to Jesus, so that we who shelter under the blood of the Lamb of God are delivered from the power and the penalty of sin. And as we walk by faith through those waters of baptism, trusting God, the God who didn't stay dead, but the Messiah who's raised from death. So also, we will be delivered through to our promised land with the Lord who is mighty. They were only delivered from physical death. We get delivered from spiritual and eternal death. They only had God with him. We have God in us. Do you know this Jesus? Have you begun to learn to trust this word of God and this God who keeps his word? Let me challenge you this week because we're a busy, busy people. We're a noisy, noisy people. Here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Find five minutes. And for some, it'll be two. But I'm, I'm aiming high here. And each day, get silent with God. We've got to be a people who allow the stillness and silence of God to take root in our lives. You will always come under fear if you do not allow God to speak in the quiet. Your faith will only grow when the word and the silence of God speak to you so that you can then move out. Would you please not hear this as a call and an invitation from me, but from the God who wants to spend time with you? Give him five minutes each day. Not in the car, by the way, when you're on the way to work. Today I'll turn off the radio. I mean, that's not terrible, but, but still and quiet and silent. And if you're a young mom, I get it, or you're a mom of young kids, that's hard to find. And if you work long hours, it's hard to find. You could do it at lunchtime. There are places in your life where you can find stillness. Your maturity, your faith will not grow apart from that. I challenge you to try it. Let's pray. Oh Lord, would you deliver your people from fear in every form? Would you build within us faith? Would you help us to see that your word can be trusted because you are the God of your word? Oh Lord, would you meet us and would you lead us? Would you help us to live in Jesus? It is in his name we pray. Amen.